Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. This episode is brought to you in part by the Alberta Blue Cross Wellness Summit. Today, to explore fresh perspectives and practices around wellness at work, hear what Linda Crawford at Alberta Blue Cross had to say about the summit. You know, Alberta Blue Cross really wants to support people. We truly, truly are moving the needle in a way that we want to make an impact. And so, you know, coming to even a first ever event is always fun. You can always now be able to say, hey, I was at that event. And our intention is to really leverage and scale this on an annual basis. So why not come and be that first pioneer and leader that raises their hand and says, you know what, this sounds fantastic. I want to be part of this movement, the energy that's going to happen there. Sign me up. It's happening October 10th at the Renaissance Edmonton Airport Hotel. Sign yourself up right now at thewellnesssummit.ca. So in Chapter 15 of our novel, we took a trip out to the boondocks <laughs> after some skullduggery in a train station. Quite. Which brought up questions about suspicious actions. Is there anything in this book that doesn't bring up questions uh, and that doesn't look like suspicious actions? Some of what happens in this chapter isn't bringing up questions or suspicions because it turns out we're about to get a whole dump of answers oh. as we move into chapter 16 of A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin. Chapter 16, Answer Dump. So we start with our flavor text as usual, and it's actually pretty brief and pretty straightforward this time. Yeah. Uh, the first is a notation of the new curfew being imposed by the sunlet due to all of the recent unrest. Yeah. Did you notice the listings of the areas where they are imposing a curfew? Yeah, the areas where they were traveling through. Yeah, the they happen to be following along the train line. That they were on. This is this is them essentially, not officially, but kind of unofficially beginning a manhunt for them, yes. Kind of. Without actually hunting them? But that's kind of the Tex Kalonlit slim way. <laughs> you never do anything straightforward when you can circle around it forever. <laughs> it's all about subterfuge. Yeah. Meantime, uh, over on Elsel Station, we get a little snippet of the request for the new ambassador. So, that request was not dated. No. We were not given a date. No. Are you suggesting that the Empire has sent the same warship back to Elsel Station to request yet another ambassador? I think it's possible that they keep sending the same ship, that that, that might have been the request that Yaskander filled, that might have been the request that Mahit filled. That's kind of what's implied, or at least assumed. That's certainly what's implied. Or... They might be jumping the gun and like, well, she's obviously not going to make it. Let's get a new one. I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case either, but I I do acknowledge that it's possible. I don't even think it's possible. I don't think the timeline makes it plausible. Because it's mentioned that it's a few weeks in and out from the city to Elso Station. That's true. And 
it's been just over a week since Mahito. Oh yeah, arrived. that's true. So that's I don't very think true. I don't think the ship could have made it back to Elsa Station in that time span. So. No, fair point. Fair point. Okay. The point is, it wasn't dated. No. Which to me looked a little suspicious. It it could have been the request for Iskander. It could have been. Yeah. It seems, in all honesty, it seems more likely it was the request that Mahit answered. Well, and specifically Phil, because it was that ship. Yes. And it seems unlikely that the Empire would have sent the same ship. 20 years later to pick up the next ambassador. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Even though they do like things to be poetic. It would be very poetic to same, send the same ship over every time to collect an ambassador. Mm-hmm. So we kick off the chapter in Five Portico's surgical suite. Uh, it's a clean place, but uh, Mahit can't help but feel that it's lacking that kind of iPod aesthetic that she's used to. Just because it's not white. White and sleek. It's... She... The Elso Station is an Apple Eye store, basically. Basically, yeah. It's There's a genius bar, and they install your iPhone directly into your brain. Yeah, where she is in a, a more classical surgery suite that's made of stainless steel and probably has concentrated lighting on one spot as opposed to bright lights everywhere. Yeah. Right? It, there's probably lights on the table where Five Portico is working. Yeah, but even even though it's clearly a step down from the kind of surgical environment that Mahid is used to, it's professional. It's clean. Five Portico knows what she's doing. That's the important part. Yeah. Uh, and Mahit gets anesthetized and uh, then has a moment where she briefly begins to wonder if Five Portico has a laser eye and is going to laser <laughs> her brain. She might have. We don't know. We don't actually see the surgery from anyone's perspective but Mahit's. No, because then the anesthesia takes hold and down she goes. And then things get... Kind of surreal. A little, but also I didn't find it illogical, if that makes no, sense. No, no, it, it wasn't it illogical. It made sense what was going on, and it, it was... It was just a little crazy. Well, yes, because this is a new personality being reactivated in a new body. Meantime, that new body is adjusting to the fact that a new personality is being uploaded into it. And also, there's the remnant of the other personality that's still kind of there, sort of. Yeah, that was part of the new personality, but it's the old personality, and it's out of date, but it knows who it's talking to because it's him. Yeah. It was a little brain explody. Yeah. I feel that the best way to parse through it is to kind of parse through it chronologically as it was happening in the book. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, simply because that gives us a, a train of kind of weird thought to follow. <laughs> I see what you did there. So the first thing we see is... The Elder Yaskander's return to existence because yes. he's been dead for a while. Yes. And his last memory is choking to death yeah. on poison. Right? He, he can't seem to let that go. Yeah. And, and to be fair. Oh, like traumatic legit. experience. Exactly. Yeah. Um, he begins to quickly piece together that he is dead, that he is now an imago, and that the physical sensations he's experiencing are a new body. Yes. It's like, this is not my body, but this is a body. Okay. Um, and then he kind of has a flashback to his original request to be ambassador to the Empire. Yeah. Um, he had a meeting with Darge Tarats, apparently, which I found interesting. Yeah, that sitting, was the sitting one across who sent the him. table from Tarats discussing ambassadorship. Yeah. And this was actually uh, an interesting and important exchange. <gasps> right? Because... Because it's... Elsil Station has known for a really long time, longer than we suspected, about that mysterious threat out in the middle of space. Yeah, the others have been lurking out there for a while. Yeah. And 
Darge Tarats made the decision, possibly unilaterally, it's possibly. it's implied, that they needed someone on the inside in the Empire because the Empire is a big hungry beast on one side, but it's a big hungry beast that can be tamed. Yeah, that they can at least talk to and reason with and negotiate with. Yeah, and so Yiskander's job essentially becomes to go and make himself so indispensable to the Empire that when the time comes, Elsol Station will be able to ask for the favor of being defended from this existential threat. Right. Which explains a lot of what we figured out Yiskander is doing, was doing. Kind of. And so I mean, more answers, me. more answers come as the, as the uh, oh, yes. chapter progresses. I, I did like one thing that Tarats mentioned about the others when he says they don't think, which is an interesting way to put it. Because they obviously do. But the implication, I think, is more that they don't think in a human way. They are inherently and entirely inhuman. And so there's no foundation for communication. Yeah, you're you're talking about the difference between reason and logic and uh, nature and instinct. Yeah. Right? Like, we, we would have an easier time communicating with, uh, with a chimpanzee than they're going to have communicating with these aliens is yes. kind of the implication. We would have an easier time communicating with a bee <laughs> then they're going to have communicating with these aliens because it's it's they're so fundamentally different yeah in every conceivable way that there's just no reasoning with them exactly there's there's there seems to be no communication whatsoever and therefore there can be no reasoning yeah and it's such an existential threat that Yaskander even remembers losing sleep over it like this was something that kept him up at night the fact that this threat was lurking yeah. out there for decades yeah, too it's been there they've for known ages and ages. That's the crazy part to me, that it's been out there for so long. And it looks a lot like Darge Tarats was keeping the threat to himself, and he entrusted this information to Yaskander, and that would explain why Amnard Bat and Anshu don't seem to have all the pieces. Right? Because Tarats well, is... because they don't, then. Because Tarats is playing it real close to the chest. Mm -hmm. Well, I can kind of justify that, because if you think about it, he doesn't want to start a panic. And if there's been no new aggression... Right. If the, the station clearly is not in immediate danger, mm -hmm. even though the ships they send out don't come back. But this is this is the real curious thing. Tarats has known about this threat for a while, and he's the counselor for miners. Granted, one of the more powerful counselors on the station. Yeah. Anchu is the counselor for pilots, and she's only just finding out about this threat. Right. And Amnardbot, I mean, that explains why she felt comfortable sabotaging Iskander because she had no conception of the work that Iskander was doing. Yeah, no, no idea because at all. Because Tarats wasn't telling her. My guess is he justified it by trying to keep down panic. That would also be my guess. That's my guess. But not entrusting the other counselors with it may have been a mistake and nearly threw a monkey wrench in it because Amnard well, Bat sabotaged it. Agreed. I also thought it was kind of interesting that this is a memory that the younger Iskander would have had. Yeah. And so, in theory, it's a it's a memory that Mahit should also be familiar with. Because when the younger Yaskander was installed, in theory, she would have had access to this memory as well. Yep. Isn't there a bit in there about the three of them remembering this together? Yeah, kind of. And sort of. that also kind of underlines another problem. A problem that I don't think Mahit necessarily considered in doing this surgery. I think that when she agreed to do the surgery, her understanding of it was that she would be removing the younger Yaskander, and he'd just be gone, and she'd be installing the older Yaskander, and he would be there. Because I doubt that having a new Imago implanted happens 
often or at all on Elsel right. Station. And so suddenly she's got two Yiskanders in her head, and she's at a very real risk of losing herself to their combined weight, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's only the fact that the younger Yiskander had partially integrated with her that I think kind of saves her, because there's enough of him in her and her in him that she's able to not lose herself in the elder Yiskander. Right. And also, isn't her younger Yiskander leaving? Well, not really. He's kind of there the whole time. And I well, think that it's... He's there the whole time, but I, I want to say that he's... Uh... He's not really leaving and he's not really dissipating. He's kind dissipating. of... That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, he's kind of just there. And I think that that's, in part, the the remnant of him that will always be there. Because there was a part of him that did integrate mm. with her. I found I found the line I was looking for. Uh, he is referred to as her yes, her hyphen Yiskander. So yes. her Yiskander is in is one, um, a torn rag. Yeah, because I mean he was damaged and he is being removed. Yeah. But I think there's always going to be a little piece of that the, younger Yiskander. Yeah, there. the piece of him left over that that she remembers and feels and will always be there. Yeah, because there was a partial integration. Yeah. They never became one person, but they were interlinked enough. Right, but the rest of it inside the Imago... Is gone. Is gone. Which is I, okay, I think, because she has a newer, older... She has... <laughs> she has a new old Yiskander now. As opposed to the old new Yiskander. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. You get me. And then we get... So many revelations from Yaskander. Oh my goodness, the memories come flooding in. As he, uh, as the elder Yaskander, who spent 20 years in the Empire, has a, a flood of memories in this new body. Right. So we start with him uh, explaining to, I believe, to Rats, yep. uh, that he's not sending any more backups because he doesn't feel it's safe. Yeah. And so the, the, his, this imago, his last Imago recording will be is, with him. is all they get. And... I found that kind of interesting for two reasons. Number one, it implies that Darge Tarats and Yaskander were tight. They were confidants. Yep. They were the two people on the station who understood the threat and were working together. Yep. And the other counselors weren't in the loop. It also meant that he physically left behind his Imago. It wasn't a copy. His original Imago was what was left behind, and he had a new one installed. I was I was concerned about the fact that he was uh, transmitting. No, he uh, clearly wasn't, and I suspect it's because... They didn't trust transmitting for obvious reasons. Well, no, because he said that it is unsafe to send further Imago copies of himself by any channel. Yeah. But I'm under the impression the original one was him actually going back to Elsel Station. But oh, he yeah. just, he can't leave the Empire at that juncture because he's he's made himself indispensable. Mm -hmm. And he's involved in conspiracy. Well, and it'll look suspicious and he might get caught and exactly extra bad things. Um, we also learned that Eight Loop adopted Eight Antidote. So he is... Legally, her son. Right. So that that one made my eyes go big. So that might explain why Eight Loop might be against the Emperor hijacking Eight Antidote's body. Just saying. Uh, confirmation Six Direction does indeed intend to hijack his clone son's body. Yeah. Uh, also, a memory of his first meeting with the Emperor and how that was awesome. Uh, and then the memory of Ten Pearl and Nineteen Ads murdering him, and and the confirmation that yeah, no. It really was 10 Pearl who murdered him, and 19 Ads let it happen. Yeah, not the other way around. Which we had hypothesized. But no, 10 Pearl, absolutely 100% the yep, murderer. confirmed. That guy did a murder. Murder confirmed. Don't even need to go to the accusing parlor for that one. The police nope. are just on their way. Yeah. <laughs> um, then Don't we bother. Get, then we get a memory of Yaskander in bed with 19 Ads. 
Which we kind of suspected based on the flashes of memory that Mahit was having way back when. Yeah. Days ago. Indeed. <laughs> when she was using 19 ads shower. Yeah. And uh, her using the uh, the moment to kind of pump him for information, as it were, um, about Six Directions plans. And uh, it seems that Yaskander wasn't only warming 19 ads's bed. No kidding. Didn't suspect this one. Yeah, he was also warming Emperor Six Direction's bed. Right? Yaskander made himself very indispensable. Very in indispensable. My goodness. Uh, even younger Yaskander actually is impressed at uh, the fact that he got in bed with 19 ads, which I thought was funny. <laughs> is this is this political intrigue now in Texcalon? It's just sleeping around? Well, I like how Mahit words it a little later on in that Yaskander was involved in a weird mutual seduction with the Empire. Not just the Emperor, no, the, the Empire. Empire itself. Yeah. As as he was falling in love with the Tex Kalanli Empire, the Tex Kalanli Empire was kind of falling in love with him. And that's why he was so popular and why he was the talk of the town, mm -hmm. why everybody knew his name, why he was sleeping with the Emperor and sleeping <laughs> with the Azuazuakot. Like the guy was everywhere. And it was it was partly him doing his job, and it was partly him falling in love with his adopted home, and yeah. that's kind of an interesting, an interesting well, take on he, it. He was living the gimmick, like <laughs> he was he was a hundred percent committed to the bit. Yeah, uh, he even admits that he loves the emperor. Yeah, and I don't know. He doesn't necessarily mean like I want to marry this guy, but you could tell by loving the emperor. You could tell that he meant that he loved what the emperor stood for and represented and reigned over. Well, yeah. And he, he does tell 19 ads that he, and by he, I mean the emperor in this case, six direction is a good emperor. And he's, uh, he's like, he's wise and he's just, and he's devoted to peace. And uh, he's holding a, a very large empire together and very few historical Texcalon the emperors have been that. And yeah. so the idea of keeping him around longer is not necessarily abhorrent, even though there's a lot of squick on both sides about what's going on. Even as he explains it to 19 ads, she's very uncomfortable with the idea of the emperor preserving himself using this technology. And he's kind of squicked out about the idea of the emperor hijacking his clone son's body to do it. Yeah, that's not great. But, Yaskander is willing to do it because he is doing it for what he sees as the greater good, especially because his job was to come to the Empire and make the Empire love him so much that they'd be willing to go to war on his behalf. Mm -hmm. And he's got a guy who's willing to do that. And he needs to keep that guy around because there's space monsters yep. lurking on the fringes. Yep. And Even though he doesn't tell 19 ads that. So that is... Further proof that he and Darge Tarats are keeping it just between the two oh, of them. Oh, absolutely. He hasn't even told anybody in the Empire about it. Oh, no. And he's justifying it with two actually fairly legit reasons. Like you said, good emperor. You want to keep a good emperor around to continue to be a good emperor. And because that's what he's there to do. It's his job. Right? He needs he needs to like barter this Imago technology to save his station. Yeah. Which is which is his job. That's what he was tasked with. Yeah. And that's why, like, even though Mahit was trying to figure out why he would be willing to do this, and even the younger Yaskander didn't have 
much in the way of answers. No, not really. When he was briefly uh, back in touch with her. Uh, the Elder Yaskander pretty much lays it out. Like, I was willing to do, if it means defending the station from this existential threat, I am willing to do anything. Mm -hmm. And I've been given carte blanche by Darge to rats to do it. Yeah. I will sleep with whoever needs sleeping with yeah. to and protect I will, my station. And I will break any taboo and I will trade any technology to do it. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the alternative is we cease to exist. Exactly. And it's interesting. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And Mahid is now in the exact opposite side of the same problem because now the existential threat is coming from the Empire, not from the space monsters. It's true. The space others aren't the immediate threat. And now she's doing the exact same thing Iskander was doing, except to prevent the Empire from invading. This is around the time that she begins to regain consciousness. Slash Yaskander begins to regain consciousness, and she starts having convulsions on the table. Yeah, she has weird phases of consciousness a couple times. Probably because it's brain surgery. Well, yeah. Like, at one point she can feel, like, the air, like, being, uh, she can feel her nervous system being exposed to the air. Yeah. And then she falls back into uh, a Yaskander memory, and then she comes, uh, she comes out of it again, but she knows she's closed up, but yeah. then she falls back in again, so her surgery is, uh... I don't know if it's going wonky, but definitely no, something's I'm, happening. I actually think her surgery is done at this juncture, at the point where she convulses. And it's because Yaskander is now integrated into her body, but is still hung up on the fact that he's suffocating to death. So he's having trouble breathing. Right. And he's and it's it's such a powerful, uh, they would put it, endocrine response yep. that it's causing her to convulse. Right. And she that's why Five she Portico... She can't take control of her own, of yeah. her own uh, system again. Yeah, and Five Portico doses her again, and we descend once again into oblivion and the end of the chapter. Yeah. A chapter that, despite being just jam-packed with vital information that so we've much been exposition. missing since the beginning, uh, also blew by really quickly. Yeah, it was a really quick read. I hope Mahit comes out of this okay. Oh, I'm sure she will. There's still a uh, a final act of the story to go, and if Mahit is not capable, then it's going to be it's going to be pretty disappointing. Yeah, I'd call be I'd call us about three quarters of the way through this book. Yeah, if, so we've still got we've still got so much more to do. If this were a Shakespearean play, we would be entering Act Five. <laughs> if this were a movie, we'd be entering Act Three. Yes, except. Uh, we're much farther in the book than merely a third of the way left to go. So. No, it's true. Hence my Shakespearean Act 5 reference. <laughs> um, but before we get into the fifth act, we will be once again delving into another interlude. Yes. I'm curious to see what happens. Hopefully also Station is not being invaded by space monsters. That'd be nice. The space others are still out there. Maybe it'll be Darge Tarats finally coming clean with everybody about what's been going on this whole time. Maybe. Won't Amnard Bat feel like a jerk? <laughs> oh crap I thought that guy was just a, a traitor and it turns out he was just oh. doing what needed done oh no you mean I made everything worse uh, my hubris whoops accidentally broke existence for us <laughs> sorry. sorry sorry about that that's my bad yeah so uh, yeah another bit of a shorter episode here but that's okay it'll give you an opportunity to delve into that interlude which will probably also be a fairly short episode because the interludes have traditionally been pretty short. Yeah. And uh, get that right up in time for next week. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Anita, mm. do, you know, do you know when you should go to an emergency room? Mm.
We ask these children if they know when to go to emergency and when there are other options. If, like, your heart stops beating, if you were really sick, if you were super-duper hurt, you'd come. They're there to treat people that are really sick or really hurt and they need attention right away. If you have an emergency, we're here to help. If it's not an emergency, you have options. Take control of your health. Call 811 or visit ahs.ca slash options. So there you have it. Alberta Health Services. Yeah. Be, be smart. Uh, and for those of you who don't live in Alberta, uh, your friendly medical providers <laughs> Your as friendly well. neighborhood medical services. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the important thing, I think, is just to know when to go to emergency and, and make sure that your, your kids, your little ones, know uh, when that's important as well. Yeah. Just in case there's an emergency. Exactly. Yeah. Knowing knowing the difference between a real emergency and a not emergency. One thing that is not an emergency, but certainly we would appreciate, is uh, maybe stopping by and giving our uh, podcast a rating or review on your podcatcher of choice. Smooth segue, honey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, by all means, I rate, was, uh, rate and review. It helps. Every podcast you listen to, it helps if you rate and review. That's true. And uh, I was looking at our analytics earlier, and I must say, as podcasts go, we're we're on the real small end. But as book clubs go, we're doing real good for ourselves. Oh, we are a fantastic book club. Yeah. So uh, you can <laughs> you can rest assured that you're reading a book with a great many other people, even Yay. if there's not much discussion other than listening to us talk about it. <laughs> More than would fit in our living room. How's uh, that? Yeah. But uh, you know what? You could get in on some discussion on it uh, on social means. media. We welcome discussion. Get a hold of us by the social media of your choice, more or less. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Goodreads, because we're book clubby that way. Yeah, there's been a little bit of movement on Goodreads, so Yay. it's worth checking out. Uh, and if you ha- don't use the app, I mean, we're basically just giving them free advertising every episode. Yeah, kind of. Goodreads, talk to the Alberta Podcast Network. We'd love to get sponsored <laughs> by you. You can send us an email if you like, if you have lots and lots of words. Yeah, we're thereadalong at gmail.com, and uh, Nita didn't give me a chance to mention that we're also at the readalong at all of the social media. Sorry. That's okay. Uh, but We've done it so many times, I forget. That's okay. But uh, with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. Surrealism space opera. Woo! Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com. Goodreads.com.